Welcome to episode 11 of Pub Crawl, a publishing podcast about reading, writing, books, and occasionally booze. I'm your host, Kelly. I am a contracts manager and a freelance editor. And I'm your co-host, S.J. Jones, called J.J., and I am an author and erstwhile editor. We are both contributors with the Publishing Crawl blog, and together we have over 15 years of industry experience. Today's topic is going to be recommended reading or um, a review of all the books that we read in the year 2015. Yeah, so if any of you guys are looking for books that we recommend uh, as gifts, uh, stocking fillers, or anything like that for the holidays, um, this this is your podcast. We'll be discussing a lot of books, um, so definitely check the show notes because that's uh, where all the list will be. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, how was vacation? Vacation was okay. <laughs> I, you know, I guess I should start off and come clean, uh, which is that I did not win NaNoWriMo. I didn't win. Um, I feel really, I I feel disappointed, obviously, but I feel good about um, the work that I did. I'm excited to keep writing. Um, I did not do any writing on my week-long vacation in Boston, which was kind of the death knell for me. There was really no way that I was going to recover from a week off when I was behind in my word count uh, going into the start of that week. And so I didn't win, uh, but I feel great about it. I had a wonderful vacation in Boston. I got to see my family, uh, which is always wonderful. And Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. Um, I love the food and I love the, uh, you know, it's the fam- it's the holiday we spend with my family. We spend Christmas with David's family here, which is also wonderful. Um, but it's just, it's the time that I get to see all my cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And so it's a really special holiday, uh, to me for that reason. So it was a lovely vacation and I came back to Minneapolis, uh, with snow. So the first snow of the year, uh, I'm actually, I'm not really jealous, but kind of jealous. <laughs> Don't be jealous. <laughs> well, cause it's seasonal, you know, it like, is seasonal, you know, it comes, it's that time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also need to confess that I did not win NaNoWriMo this year either. Um, I really was bricked by, uh, seasonal affective disorder and, and bipolar disorder. Um, it just was really tough for me to write. Um, but I did get about 30,000 words. Uh, I did finish the first act and I did send it off to my agent. So I'm pretty happy with myself for, for having accomplished that. Yeah. And, um, I also vomited out a synopsis of what happens in acts two and three. And I also sent that to her with the, the f- disclaimer, everything I just wrote here may not actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> All of this might change. Um, because I just, I really, I don't know. Like I know the very, very, very basic beats of my, of my story, but all of the sort of specifics in the middle of it, I don't don't know. Yeah. Um, and my Thanksgiving was, was here, was spent, uh, in Winston locally. Uh, I was fortunate that my partner also had the holiday off, which is a little bit rare, uh, you know, when you work in the hospital. But he had the whole holiday off. He had Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, and the weekend. Um, so we had cooked Thanksgiving dinner at our house. Uh, we had our old housemate come over with our dog. 
<laughs> so we spent Thanksgiving with our dog. Um, so it was, it was actually really nice and low key. Like I actually did get writing done on Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. And I even went to the gym on both days, which was great. Wow. Yeah. And I read books, uh, which will be mentioned in this podcast as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually really, really nice. Um, so it was, you know, not exactly as productive writing wise as I would have liked, but it, it was nice to not go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as much as I love my family and I, and I love Mark's family too. It's just, it's, it's the traveling. Cause both of us live far now from mm-hmm. our respective families. Like, you know, my, my family's out in LA and his is, uh, just outside New York in New Jersey. So we're not close to them, either of them. Um, so either having to travel West or travel North is just kind of like, <laughs> deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that was our vacation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Did you read over vacation too? I did. I think I read three books over the course of the week, which, um, again, is is not up to my usual pace, but is a significant improvement over what it's been like since having a kid. So uh, I was really pleased with that. I read three books and at least one was like four or 500 pages long. So... What'd you read? It was a doorstopper. I read Winter, finally. Oh, that is a doorstopper. <laughs> it was huge. Um, so I read that, and it was excellent. Um, highly enjoyed it. I love that series. I'll be talking about that series mm-hmm. um, a little later in our podcast. Um, so I read that. I read... Um, oh, what was the... Oh, I read The Royal We uh, by... Uh, is it Jessica Morgan and Heather Cox or is it Jessica Cox and Heather Morgan? I think it's Heather. I can never remember I which one. I know. It's Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. And I only know that That's because what I thought. Jessica went to the, my rival all girls school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I think of, I know them predominantly through their blog, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think of them as Jessica and Heather first names only. Um, and so I read the Royal we, which is basically, um, Kate and Prince William fan fiction generally. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I mean, it isn't, but it is, it is, uh, <laughs> pretty much. And, um, I actually really enjoyed that. I wasn't really expecting to, but I just kind of needed something light and fluffy and I got really, really into it, uh, and ended up doing a little bit of reading like underneath the table at Thanksgiving <laughs> on my phone. So best kind of reading, furtive reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it brought me back to being in like elementary school and stuff when I'm like reading under my desk Mm -hmm. instead of paying attention in class. Um, so that was the other one that I read. And then the final one that I read, um, was the school of good and evil. And I thought I had the book on my table and I don't right now. So I am searching for the author's Soman Chainani, I think. Thank you. Soman Chainani, uh, the school for good and evil. And it was a middle grade that I had no intention of reading whatsoever. It wasn't on my radar. I was at a bookstore over Thanksgiving week with my husband and we were wandering around and I had, I just have this habit of like collecting armfuls of books as I go through the store. If anything looks interesting, I'll just pile it into my arms and then I'll go find a quiet chair or something and sort through and 
read the first couple of pages and see if it's something I want to pick up. And I started reading the first couple of pages on that one. And then I just kept reading and kept reading and kept reading. And I was like 75 pages in by the time my husband found me. And I was like, well, I have to buy this now because well, obviously <laughs> I have to figure out how it ends. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, it is dark for a middle grade. <laughs> um, but I, I laughed out loud a couple times. It, it elicited a chuckle or two from me, which uh, is hard to do. There's a lot of times when I'll appreciate humor in a book, but it, it doesn't really get me to actually laugh. And I think I definitely laughed uh, at one or two points throughout that book. So those were the three that I read um, while I was on vacation. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, read actually kind of a lot. Now that I'm looking at kind of back on my list, I read The Bone Season by Samantha Shannon. Um, I also read, uh, my only nonfiction book thus far this year, which is Sex with Kings, 500 <laughs> Years of Adultery, Power, Rivalry, and Revenge by Eleanor Herman. Um, it's just a nonfiction book about, uh, various mistresses of kings, uh, mm -hmm. specifically in Western culture, um, and the sort of power that they wielded, what political influence that they wielded, and sort of what the role of the royal mistress was, and how that shifted over time, and sort of kind of character by, by you know, sketches and biographies of some of the uh, kind of prominent mistresses of various kings. It was actually quite interesting, um, and it was very, very easy read. I read it in like one afternoon. Um, I also read, finished Harry Potter, the series. My reread of Harry Potter, I finished over over Thanksgiving as well. So that's quite a few books, actually, now that I'm looking back at mm -hmm. it. Um, so that that was what I read. The The reread of Harry Potter was was actually really nice. Uh, I, I, it's funny because I read the books with a slightly different eye than I did when I first read them or even the way I read them five years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm just a different person now. Um, and my thoughts about the series have shifted or my feelings about certain characters have shifted. Um, and, or just like, I notice different things, especially the older characters in the Harry Potter series. Yeah. The adults are really mm -hmm. excellent. Mm -hmm. All of them are fantastically just, well-rounded and developed and, and complex and McGonagall is, is my queen. I she love her. She's the best. She She's really the is the best. best. Have like, a biscuit. I, I know. <laughs> Have a biscuit, Potter. Um, and she just is like, and I've always known that she was the best, but just how much of a badass she actually is was really driven home to me uh -huh. in this reread that I didn't really appreciate in the same way the first time around. So uh -huh. that was my reading for over Thanksgiving. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but are you a person who rereads books habitually? Do you enjoy rereading books? Oh yeah, absolutely. I am too. I know a lot of people though don't reread books or reread very seldom uh, because they feel that they want to spend their time reading, always reading new material, and that if they've read a book once, then there's no reason for them to read it again. My husband, David, is very much like that. He doesn't reread things ever, and I reread constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it's always been that way ever since I was a kid. You know, I would reread books 
just constantly, mostly because I read so quickly. Mm-hmm. My parents simply just could not either take me to the library often enough. And we went <laughs> once a week yep. too, like once a week and checked out like five books at a time. Um, and yet I, st- I would still read them all before they went back. Obviously they couldn't support my book buying habit because I would bankrupt them. Um, so as a, as a child, I, I was always reading something. It, mm-hmm. it, it just always, there's always a book either on my bedside table or in my backpack or, you know, I always read at every meal, which is terrible. My parents yelled at me all the time <laughs> because it was really rude. But I, I did. I read just constantly. So mm-hmm. the rereading comes from just the fact that I just couldn't get new books all the time. I just, there wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough money. Um, and the thing about being a habitual rereader, it's just like, you know, when you get cravings for food or like mm-hmm. comfort food, you're just like, oh, it's cold outside. And I really, really feel like, I don't know, mac and cheese. Um, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like, you know, I just in the mood to reread this book, you know, there's just ingredients in the way the story is told or the characters or the romance or something about the book. Is, I'm craving that book at that time. So mm-hmm. I, I do. I'm a habitual rereader. I'm the same way. I have my comfort reads and some of them I read every year. I'll read the same book over and over again, or sometimes a cycle every other year or every three years or something like that, where there's just a certain set of books that I always read for similar reasons. You know, sometimes the comfort stems from, you know, it's, it's just familiar and it's just a Mm -hmm. book from my childhood that I love that makes me, you know, feel warm and comforted and at home. Even if the book isn't a warm, comforting book, it just makes (laughs) me feel that way. Um, and then sometimes too, I like coming back to the same books over and over again, because like you just mentioned with Harry Potter, they, even though it's the same text and the same pages and that hasn't changed, I as a person have changed. Mm -hmm. And so my relationship with the text will sometimes change. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting for me to go through that process and to revisit a text that I'm so familiar with and have such an intimate relationship with and see how my personal growth has affected that relationship with the book. Yeah. So I really love to reread. I reread all the time. (laughs) I actually have a separate shelf on my Goodreads just rereads 2015 because it's, it's a lot. I've reread 12 books this year. So books that I have read before I've reread this year for various reasons. Actually, some of the new, the reasons I've reread some of them was because I read them in a different format, uh, predominantly audiobook. Um, Mm -hmm. these are books that I've read on paper before and, uh, I've gotten an audiobook of, so I uh, wanted to experience the story in that way. Um, that's actually like 95% of my rereads this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do keep track of them and there's just certain things, you know, it's instead of seeking something new, you just want to go back to what you know and what's comfortable and what is reliably going to deliver that satisfaction um, because every new book is sometimes a gamble. You're, you can pick it up and just can be like, is this going to work for me? I don't know. Um, but the books that you have loved and, um, know will deliver on that satisfaction. Sometimes it's just easier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So 
Well, that huh? leads us really nicely into just kind of the books that we've read mm-hmm. for the year. So if you have had 12 rereads, how many books did you read total this year? Total, including the rereads? Mm-hmm. 83 so far. Wow. And I'm currently reading four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole bunch lined up that I'm in the middle of right now. But um, So, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of December. There's still close to 30 days left of this month. I'm sure mm-hmm. I will add to my reading count. But mm-hmm. for the majority of 2015, I have read uh, thus far 80, 83 books. So. Oh, I'm very jealous. I've read about half that. I've read 43, mm-hmm. which I'm trying to tell myself. I feel really self-conscious about it because <laughs> my superpower is that I read incredibly fast. And I'm used to reading, you know, a book a day, sometimes two books a day, you know, and multiple books a week. And so I'm used to my yearly book count being significantly higher than 43. Uh, but I look at myself and I put it in perspective. And last year, the year that my daughter was born in 2014, I only read five books <laughs> because life with a newborn is horrific. And I just, I couldn't, it was like, I could not read a book. I couldn't get my brain to read the words on the page. So 2014 for me was the year of television. And I binge watched a million series, you know, with multiple seasons and, you know, just watched all this television that I'd missed somehow throughout my life. We finished West Wing, which I'd never seen to completion Mm -hmm. before, you know, all these other series. Um, so that was the year of television, and I only read five books, which is probably the least amount of books in a year I've ever read in my entire life, including, like, the year I learned how to read. <laughs> <laughs> but this year is 43, so that's a significant increase. So if I keep going at that rate, um, I think 2016 will be a pretty good year for books. But I read 43, and I did not finish eight. Yeah, of the 83, I did not finish six. Mm-hmm. So, I you know, it has, it has, it's been a pretty good year. I mean, like Kelly, I also read extremely quickly. Um, and because of the nature of my job, the vast majority of my books were read on audio. Not the vast majority, but a significant portion of my books were read on audio this year. Um, mm-hmm. About 25%, close to 30% of them, which is mm-hmm. a really significant percentage for me. Um, and I think if I had not read those books on audio, I don't think I would have read nearly as many books as I have this year. And like when I was a kid, you, do you ever remember those like summer reading challenges that like, mm-hmm. if your class read the most number of books or whatever, you would get like an ice cream Sunday party or something like I that. I do. I do. I always single-handedly won it for my class every year. <laughs> <laughs> no one else needed to even do anything. No one else covered. needed to try. I remember because the summer between first and second grade, I read 67 books. Mm-hmm. And that was just summer vacation. Um, so, and like my mom would tick them off. I mean, that was, that was the year we, she literally took me to the library twice a week, every mm-hmm. Tuesday and every Thursday. <laughs> so, uh, I, I do also read extremely quickly. Um, so 83, you know, when I think about like the heyday of, of elementary school is, is not quite so many, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually 
sort of surprised. I thought I, I didn't think I'd read this many books and until I sort of went through and kind of tallied them up. And then I was like, Hmm, not, not that mm-hmm. bad, actually not that bad at all. Yeah. All right. So, well, let's talk about some of our favorites that we've read this year. Um, favorites that are new to us this year. They don't necessarily have to be published within 2015, but mm-hmm. books that we've read that were new to us. Mm-hmm. Most of mine were not published in 2015. Um, <laughs> but I, when I look back at my reading for the year, I can notice distinct patterns um, and very specific things that I was drawn to. I am a person who needs to read to the mood and mindset and emotional place that I'm Mm -hmm. currently in. I need to read to kind of feed that thing. And so if a book comes along that is really excellent and gets great reviews, but it doesn't line up with what that mood is, then I can't read it. I need to wait until, you know, the planets align and it's the right book for me to read at that time. (laughs) So when I look at the books that I've read this year, I definitely had a, a prevailing mood for the year. And I was very hungry for young adult fantasies, um, that were series. Mm. And it's because I wanted to binge something. I wanted to get really immersed in a world and with characters and just kind of follow them through again and again and again. And the thing that was great about it was that I knew if I knew that I was in the mood for book one, then I knew I was going to be in the mood for book three or book five or, you know, however many books it was. And I didn't have to think about what I was going to read next. Sometimes I get really paralyzed by what to read next because there's so many (laughs) options. But with a series, you don't have to worry about that because you want to read the next book in the series. And if you're lucky enough to not discover some of these series until the final book comes out, (laughs) like I did, um, then you get to binge watch them all at once or binge read them all at once. And unlike the horrific Harry Potter experience I had where you had to wait three or four Uh. years in between each book. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Those of us who started, you know, way back in the beginning in the nineties with those books. Yep. I think you and I were in the first sort of wave of Harry Potter. I definitely was. I remember, um, I remember the third book coming out and there was no, that was the first simultaneous U S UK release. I remember Mm -hmm. that too, but there was no midnight release party. There was just, but it came out at the same time as the U.S. when the first midnight party, I think, was for book four. Yeah, Goblet of Fire. And and I I know that because it came out the day before my 15th birthday. And for one day, Harry and I were both 14. (laughs) (laughs) Half-Blood Prince came out on my birthday. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I I remember getting the third book. The day it published, I remember going to the, the bookstore with my mom mm-hmm. and my sister. Mm-hmm. I was in high school at the time um, and, and picking up the third book when it came out. I think I, yeah, the first two I'd read already. So yeah, I was in the pretty early first wave of that. And then the the subsequent waiting was horrific. But also yeah. it was really uh, it was really, I mean, JJ and I were roommates when the seventh book came out. And I remember even yes. before that point, you would just have these conversations about what was going to happen and speculate. And, and you don't get to do that when you binge a series. Yes. <laughs> so, so there is, you know, there's pros and cons, but, 
Um, so there's a couple of YA fantasy series that I really got into this year. Um, the first one that started my year off was the Lunar Chronicles. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had never, I had never read them before. I had, I knew nothing about them. Um, and you, JJ actually recommended them to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, you know, I like fairy tale retellings and I like YA and, you know, oh, sure, it's fine. I'll, I'll read it. And I didn't expect to really love it or fall in love with it the way that I did, but I did. The characters are so excellent and I have a new ship that I'm obsessed with, which is Cress Cress and and Thorn. Thorn. (laughs) I know they're the best. They're the best. They're so amazing, and I love them so much. It's, I, I, I cannot, uh, I can't articulate how much I love them. And so I really enjoyed that series. And Winter, the final book, just released very, very recently. Uh, and so that was really great to be able to read the entire series in one year. Uh, I think if I had to pick a favorite book... Out of this series, it would probably be Cress. Yeah, mine too. Uh, I think that's I think that's the book that I enjoyed the most, and she is I think my favorite character. So that was really wonderful, excellent. Completely loved it. The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. The other series that I got really into this year was uh, is it Crown of Thorns, Queen of Shadows? What uh, those are the books, but what is the title? Oh, the, the, series. the Throne of Glass series. Throne of Glass series. I was like, what? I know the series has an overarching name, and I couldn't think of what it was, but Sarah J. Moss's um, fantasy series, Throne of Glass, I also started this year for the first time and just fell completely head over heels in love with that series and those characters. The thing that I loved, too, about the experience of reading those books and reading them in such quick succession, because I, I mean, I, I just started the series this year. So I read everything up through, I think this was the fifth book, Queen of Shadows, was book number five, fourth book, four, book four. Who she published knows? another book, but that's unrelated. She did. To that's a different universe, series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So book four then, um, the really interesting thing about it and reading them back to back is you get to see her evolution as a writer mm-hmm. because the original concept for the first book she had written when she was very young and had reworked it and reworked it and reworked in it. And it eventually became the first book in the series. Um, but even though it had a lot of work and it's a great book, don't get me wrong. I thought it you know, the first book in the series is excellent, but you can see her improve and you can see her confidence as a writer grow. You can see her really, um, become an expert in her craft. Her characters are just so well-developed, even her side characters Mm -hmm. and her, you know, it's not just the protagonist. There are characters that I root for, that I love fiercely, that are like off in the periphery doing their own little, Mm -hmm side things. I love Manon. Um, yeah, she's my favorite. with every fiber of my being, she's, she's incredible. My <laughs> um, you know, but, but all of her characters have this rich inner life and the quality of her writing, which was already excellent at book one has just improved as, you know, she's grown, um, into the series and, and into her craft. And so I really liked 
that too. I really liked being able to see with each book how much more sophisticated she got and how much more complex things were and how she grew as a writer while also being able to appreciate the story moving forward and these characters that I so loved. So those were probably the two big series for me. There were a few others that I read, but those were the standouts, I think. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on the Lunar Chronicles. The Cinder I remember reading when it was first published a couple of years ago um, and, and enjoying it and, and knowing and I, I knew then, too, uh, who Marissa Meyer was because she, as I had mentioned in the previous podcast, that she was um, the writer of, of many of my favorite Sailor Moon fanfics. <laughs> so I, I was aware of that. And I remember reading Cinder then and enjoying it, but didn't really revisit the series. But I guess like on a whim, I uh, oh, I remember why now. I think Cinder was actually on sale. It was like a on sale for something like two ninety nine or something like that. And I was like, oh, I haven't read this book in a while. I'm going to, you know, buy it. It's only like, you know, two or three bucks. So I'm going to go ahead and, and start it. And at that point, and it's this year, so I, I read them, and I was looking back on my stats, I read them in February. Mm-hmm. So I, boom, 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 one right after another, just read them all. Um, and I love them, and I think I liked all the characters more and more with each book. They're just so likable. I think that's just Mm -hmm. really what it is. They're just, they're likable. I mean, they're all, you know, different and distinct and flawed, but they're just, it's just, it's happy. Like I know in a lot of terrible things actually do kind of happen in the series, but just, I don't know, just being with this gang of people just, is just really, really happy making. Um, and yes, my ship is also a crescent thorn. They're the best. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. Um, although I think my favorite character is actually Eco. Well, she's fabulous. <laughs> she's just, I just, she, oh, I just love her. <laughs> she's so mm-hmm. great. Um, I, so yeah, I would echo the, the Lunar Chronicles recommendation. Um, my other thing that I've noticed about my reading habits this year is I tend to binge, not just on series, but on authors. Mm-hmm. So two authors that were new to me this year that I pretty much read nearly everything that they had out were uh, Maria V. Snyder. <gasps> oh, I love her. Yeah, so she wrote, she is a fantasy writer and she wrote um, a series of fantasy novels um, starting with Poison, Poison Study. Uh, I don't actually know what the name of the series is, but... It's um, the study series. It's the study series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started with Poison Study. And I actually remember I had gotten Magic Study in paperback years and years and years ago. And I remember trying to read that and being unable to get into it simply because I just didn't have any context for it. But I knew Poison Study had been highly recommended and, and highly rated by a lot of my friends who enjoy fantasy. So... I picked that one up and that did the trick, I think, starting with mm-hmm. Poison Study and then just I blasted through all the other books of the series I did. Poison Study, Magic Study, what's the third one? Fire Study. Fire Study. I think there's like a fourth one in the series, uh, Shadow Study. Yep, with Opal. Yeah, I didn't read that one. 
Um, well, Opal has her own series, the Glass series. Oh no, that's right. That's the Glass series. You're right. You're right. I did read all three of those too. So like, mm-hmm. there's, I just a, there's was... a book that bridges them. I think is the one you're talking about. I think that one just came out this year, which I have ordered, requested from the library, but they don't have it in yet. Um, so I just, it, I think, yeah, seven, six Maria V. Snyder books mm-hmm. <laughs> in about one month. I just, just blasted <laughs> through all of those. Um, and Tiffany Rice. So for, she writes a series of, it's an erotica series. Um, the first one is called the siren. These are not for the faint of heart. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just warning y'all. Um, I'm typically not a reader of erotica. I actually do read erotica, um, not that often, but you know, when it kind of comes across and I find something that seems interesting to me, then I'll read it. And most of the time, I will say this, most erotica just doesn't really do it for me simply just because it kind of zips through actual real development of the relationship to just get to the Yeah, sex. I need a, I need a relationship. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, but Tiffany Rice does the relationships extremely well, almost to the point where I'm kind of skimming the sex scenes, just kind of like, eh, you know, I mean, they're really great. I mean, she does them very, very well, but I, you know, just these characters are fantastic and I really love them. Um, there are four books in, she actually has eight total. I haven't read the sort of the latter four. I read the first four books in the series. Um, the, the series is called The Original Sinners. Um, and it's about a woman named Nora Sutherland. She is herself an erotica writer, and she is in a BDSM relationship with a Catholic priest. <laughs> yes. Like I said, these are not for the faint of heart. So um, if you are either easily offended or just not comfortable with that kind of thing, I would advise you to to stay far away from these books. But I, I just, I do think they're actually very, very, very good. And I think some of the best example of erotica or what erotica can be, mm-hmm. um, just really, really wonderful in-depth character studies and, and how these people affect each other, not just sexually, but emotionally and, and the sort of scars that they leave on each other. And really, really, really great. So the first four uh, of the original Sinners is called The Red Years, and they're sort of set in in present day, like kind of the current storyline. And then the next four books in the series, which had just finished up, the most recent book had come out this year, and it's called The Queen. Those are called The White Years, and those are the sort of, it's a prequel to the Red Ears. So it, it shows you who Nora was when she was younger, when she was sort of first discovering her sexuality, um, getting into the scene, meeting the priest, etc. So I haven't read those yet, but they are on my to, to be read list. Um, so it was that kind of binging one mm-hmm. author sort of a thing. If I discovered one and then I kind of, she's kind of now on my auto buy list. And this is also the year of JK Rowling. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not it's just always the year of J.K. Rowling. True. Um, well, not just the year of Harry Potter, which I did reread. This is the year I read all of her adult thrillers. Mm-hmm. So this is the year I read The Cuckoo's Calling and just 
fell headlong into being like, this is why I love her stuff. I love her writing. This just reminded me exactly why I read all of Harry Potter in the first place, even though her adult series is diff- is just, it's incredibly different from Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but yet not at the same time. Like, obviously they're both by the same author and obviously the thriller series doesn't actually <laughs> have magic or anything like that. But she, they just have really incredible, complex characters, um, and they deal with death. Both series deal with death kind of a lot. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I think someone, I read somewhere that someone said that she thinks J.K. Rowling has a real fascination with both the best and the worst of people. And if Harry Potter can sort of plumb the depths of kind of the best of people against the sort of backdrop of a really horrible situation or horrible circumstances. The opposite is kind of the case in, in her Thriller series, um, just kind of exploring how horrible people can be, but not in a voyeuristic sort of sense. Um, but they're, they're really fantastic. I read the first one from the library and then immediately bought the second one and bought the first one. And then as soon as the third one came out, bought that as well. So I really, really love those. And I think of all the books that I've read this year, those are probably my standouts in just in terms of could not put them down the quality that I could not put them down. Like Uh I, and those those are also doorstoppers of novels. They're pretty huge, but right. I, once I started reading one, I knew I wasn't going to go to sleep until I'd finished reading it, even if it was like four o'clock in the morning. So she still got it. Old Joe, mm-hmm. she still got it. <laughs> I have not read any of her adult novels. Um, I've only read the Harry Potter books. I did not love the casual vacancy. Mm-hmm. Now, talk about dark. Now that book is actually extremely dark. Um, and some would say it's kind of black humor and I can, mm-hmm. I can see that, but it is just dark. It's grim. <laughs> I don't love that as much. Um, but the Cormoran Strike series, that's the name of her, uh, her mysteries. Those are, I, those I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I think those are kind of the, the series or the authors that I've read this year. Um, this is also the year where companion novels to books that were published in 2012 came out. Um, starting with Shadow Scale, which is the second yes. book, the companion to Serafina, mm-hmm. which I that really, is, really loved. It was on my do not finish. Serafina or Shadow Scale? Shadow Scale. I loved Serafina and I know that I will love Shadow Scale when I read it. But like I was saying earlier, um, I need to be in the right mindset for a book. And when I got that one, I just, I just wasn't there. I just needed something lighter and fluffier. And, you know, her prose is so lyrical and beautiful and she's created this whole incredible world. Um, and I really wanted to be able to, to do the book justice. I wanted to read it at a time when I'd be really open to it. So I think after the first chapter, I put it away and I was like, nope, it's not the right time. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of heavy. <laughs> um, 
both physically and, and content wise. Um, but I really loved it. I, I think waiting three years was worth it for, for that book. I thought it was just excellent. Um, so I loved Shadow Scale and the second Diviners book, which uh-huh. the first one was published in 2012 and Layer of Dreams came out this year. So both both books were well worth the wait. Um, as much as it kills me, <laughs> as, as much as it killed me to have, have to wait that long between those books, um, you know, I, they just, they were wonderful and I really, really loved them and just they're just so good mm-hmm. <laughs> both of them both Libba and uh, Rachel Hartman are just just really great writers and I just wish they would write faster, <laughs> faster. yes <laughs> <laughs> crack the whip a little come on yeah pick up your heels yeah so those are really my top reads or top new to me reads this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause as I had mentioned earlier, I, I did read, reread quite a few. Mm-hmm. The other series that I read this year that was new to me was the magicians trilogy by love Grossman. Mm-hmm. And they are incredibly dark, complex books about really terrible people. (laughs) The protagonist is awful, (laughs) but he is meant to be awful. I don't think that the book, I think the book is aware that he's awful and acknowledges that he's awful and, and it's just part of the whole thing. Um, really highly unlikable. And, um, and there were some things about that series that I have larger thoughts on, um, that were complex and that I feel like I have conflicting, you know, thoughts about different events that occurred throughout the course of this series. So it it was a complex read for me. It wasn't, you know, pure enjoyment, but I will say that I binged them all. I could not put them down. I could not stop reading them. Um, they haunted me for months after I finished in some senses. Mm. Um, so I feel like to not mention them is strange because they were such a huge part of my year. And there were things about them that I really did genuinely enjoy that I thought were, um, so interesting and really inventive and unlike anything I'd read before in any other books. They're sometimes billed as like Harry Potter for adults because it's about a boy who goes to like a magic school, but I don't think that comparison is apt. I think it's more Narnia. More like Narnia than Harry Potter, I think. Yeah. There's definitely a whole Narnia thing in there. Um... And yeah, you know, it it was really interesting. I mean, if anybody's read them and and also has morally complex thoughts about your experience of reading them, <laughs> then I'd love to talk. We all need to talk about Julia is all I'm saying because she was incredible and the things that happened to her in that series were horrific. Um but but that was that that series consumed me last winter. I think I read them last February or March and it was the only thing that I could think about for weeks and weeks and weeks. I find that interesting. I, I could not get into those. Uh, they're just not 
not for me. I think I read maybe half of the first book mm-hmm. before I eventually just put them down and was kind of like, mm, I, I can see why people enjoyed them, but they're just ultimately in the end was just not a series for me. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm missing something. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing something everyone else has, I guess. They just, they just weren't for me. Um, I feel that way about a lot of things. Uh, that's probably true. <laughs> um, so, well, let's go, let's go back to some of the books that we did not finish mm. um, and, and sort of discuss the reasons why we didn't finish them. Yeah. Um, so like I said, Shadow Scale was one of the early ones, um, this year that I did not finish that most of my do not finishes really fall into this kind of category where it's just not lining up with my emotional needs at the moment. Um, and so, especially if it's a book that I, that I want to read, that I've been looking forward to from an author that I love or in a series that I love, I really want to give that book the best shot with me. You know, I don't want to read it when I'm not in the mood for it and then project all my own personal stuff onto the book. (laughs) When, if I had read it in at another time in my life, then things would be totally different. So a lot of my did not finishes, um, were because of that, were just some kind of mismatch. Um, I didn't, you know, I'd order them from the library and then I was number you know, 500 on the list. And by the time it finally came through, it wasn't the right time or I was in the Mm. middle of another series and I didn't want to start something new. You know, a lot of reasons were things like that. There were a few that I started to read and I was just like, you know what, this is not, um, this is not for me. (laughs) It's, it's just, you know, it is what it is, but it's not, it's not, what I want to read right now. And I used to force myself to finish those books and I don't do that anymore. I think life is too short and there are millions of books in the world and you're not going to like all of them and that's okay. And it, you know, it is what it is. People have opinions. Everything is very subjective. You have weird people like me who bring all these emotions into it and like <laughs> need the book to line up with like their frequency or whatever. So it's not personal. It just is what it is. And I used to force myself to finish those books and it just made me miserable. And I would just drag my feet and I hated the whole thing. And, and it was just such a terrible experience. And I love reading so much that I didn't want to ruin it for myself. Why force yourself to do something that you don't want to do when you don't have to? No one is holding a gun to your head, making you finish this book that you're not interested in. So, you know, don't finish it. (laughs) It's kind of where I, I finally come to that, that place over the last couple of years. So I did have a few of those. Some of them I got really far into. Um, one of them was Scott Westerfield's Afterworlds, um, which is like a book within a book. It's a story about a young woman who has written her debut novel and it, she's going through the publication process for the first time. And the book Afterworlds alternates between her experience of going through the publication process and excerpts from the novel that she's getting published. Mm-hmm. And so it, there's like two stories going on at once. And I got pretty far into that book before I decided not to finish it. I, I mean, I want to say I was over halfway. I was really toward That's the end. also a really big book as well. It was a really big book. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. And it 
was interesting and I liked, you know, the, the, I liked the story on both of the levels, but it just kind of kept going on and on. And eventually I just, I just got a little bored and I realized that it didn't matter to me what happened. And so there was no reason for me to keep reading right, it. Right. <laughs> and so that was a strange one where I was like, well, I'm in, I enjoyed this and it was nice and I liked it, but I, I don't want to finish it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Actually my, my finish rate on books is pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. mine too. I, and, and like Kelly, when I was young, I used to force myself to finish reading books. Um, even if I wasn't enjoying them more as a matter of pride than anything else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you was like, I'm, I'm going to finish it. I started it and I'm going to finish it. But once I started working in publishing, it really, mm-hmm. really taught me very quickly that I just did not have time to do it. I, I could not finish every single book. I couldn't finish reading every single one of my submissions. And it really was reading submissions that taught me that it taught yes. me the minute something does not hold my interest, it's never going to get finished. Mm-hmm. Like it has to stick with me. I have to not want to put it down. Um, and in some ways I'm a little bit sad how that has actually changed my reading now because I used to give books a much fairer shot than I do now. Um, yeah, I, I, I did like, okay. The, the biggest example I have is the book thief. The first time I tried to read the book thief, I didn't get very far at all. I was tripped up by what I considered an extremely twee narration by death. And I just could not, the voice was just too much for me. I still feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, what is wrong with you? You don't have a soul. I know. Um, I know. I'm not into the book thief guys. (laughs) Not into it. But I think the second time I was either in a different mood or just decided I was going to power through the first hundred pages that I knew I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And part of it is that the narration does change after a hundred pages. It does drop a lot of the conceits that I found just incredibly twee um and just it was getting in the way of the my enjoyment of the story and i'm really glad i stuck it out because that book ultimately destroyed me in a really good way um Mm -hmm. but i did read the book thief before i started working in publishing so i think it nowadays if i were to pick that up and i you know 100 pages in and i just not into it then i probably would never finish it so there's kind of that aspect of, of it that I also self-select books that I know my chances of finishing the book are extremely high. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as adventurous in my reading as I used to be. I used to read pretty much anything when I was a kid, like literally anything, any, yep. any book, anything you could find, yep. anything I could find the backs of cereal boxes, you know, like <laughs> uh-huh. anything. I don't do that anymore. I, I, do select much more carefully. These are books that I, the likelihood of me finishing and enjoying are very, very, very high. So the majority of my do not finishes this year, I I had six. Um, and the majority of those were books that I was just kind of, I didn't know what I was going to, what I wanted to read. So I just sort of picked what was available from the library, which was kind of a mistake because I just, they weren't books for me. And I, and I should have known that even before I started reading them, 
I'm not much of a contemporary reader. Um, if something is kind of set in contemporary times, I don't typically get into those as easily as I do fantasy. Um, it's the same for adult novels, books that are sort of adult literary, I don't do particularly well with. Um, so the major, vast majority of the books I read are YA fantasy, just because I like YA and I like fantasy. So the two, those, when those two go together, I tend to read them, um, a lot more. So the vast majority of my do not finishes were just books that I just kind of picked up because I thought I should, or they were available or, you know, I was kind of bored and I just sort of desultorily flicking through the pages being like, maybe this is for me. And really, um, there are some like Kelly's where I just, it's not that I wasn't in the mood. It just was, I couldn't finish them before they went back to the library and I fully intend to revisit them. And part of the reason I didn't finish them before they went to the back to the library was because I read them on audio initially. So one of them was actually the school of good and evil. Um, by Saman Chanani. I didn't finish that before the audiobook had to go back. It was, I mean, the audiobook is actually quite charming. Uh, the voice is, is great and it's really, really well, well narrated. And I think I got like halfway into the story, um, before it was returned and then I couldn't renew it. So that's, that's one that I intend to revisit, uh, at, at a later date when I have a little bit more time. And the other one was, uh, Victoria Schwab's VE Schwab's, uh, darker shade of magic, which again, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it just had to go back to the library before I could finish it. So I think the next time I, I attempt reading those books, because I do read a lot faster than I listen to audio, I think I might just get those on print and, and read them that way. Those are the two that I intend to intend to revisit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do feel a little bit that my reading tastes have calcified a little bit, um, in, in ways that they hadn't been before I started working in publishing. Um, I was also a lot more pretentious as well. That's the other thing. Yes, me too. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a literature major, English lit major. So, you know, I read a lot of the, the quote canon, and I thought when I initially, when I left school that, you know, I was supposed to read all these great works of literature and you know what, like, like Kelly said, life's just too short. Ultimately, mm -hmm. I like children's books that have fantasy elements in them. So mm -hmm. those are, that's what I'm going to search out for the most part. <laughs> yeah. I read only a handful of books that were not YA. Really, it, it, I, there were not very many. I read The Martian by Andy Weir. I read Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And one or two others, but really, it was mostly all YA. <laughs> yeah, I think of the uh, books by adults, books for adults, <laughs> not necessarily by adults, books for adults... They were all genre of some kind. So like Pierce Brown's Mars books, um, The Martian, um, The Bone Season. Although a lot of these adult books, I think, have crossover appeal. Mm -hmm. So like Uprooted by Naomi Novik, 
um, which I also really loved as that is also, that is an adult fantasy novel, but it, it can, I think, be read as a young adult novel because the protagonist is 17. Um, she's young and she's, you know, coming into herself and trying to figure out who she is. Um, I also, also highly recommend this book. If you guys like, it's not a strict retelling of a fairy tale, but it feels like one. Um, it's about a young woman named Agnieszka. She lives in this forest or this village, um, where there's a dragon that lives in a tower nearby. And I just love the opening line was our dragon doesn't eat maidens. Um, because the dragon is what they call their sort of local sorcerer. And once a generation, he selects a maiden from the village to live with him in the castle. And everyone thinks it's going to be Agnieszka's best friend, Kasia. Um, because Kasia is beautiful and talented and this and that. Um, but when the time comes, it's Agnieszka who gets selected. So... I think that does more or less wrap up my 2015, my notable reads of 2015. Mm-hmm. So what about 2016? So we want to talk about anything coming out in the following year that has caught our eye that we're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a book called Winter Song by S.J. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> I'm not even kidding though. So, so I have not read it. Um, I have read most of your other works in progress or finished novels or other things. Um, I think I've read all the significant ones, at least that I can think yeah. of. Um, and I just have not read this one. It, you were working on it at a time in my life when I was just out of the loop on everything and never read it while you were working on it. And then, um, haven't read it since you've been in, the publication process. And so I'm going to read it for the first time when it is actually published. And I'm sure I could tell you, Hey, send me your manuscript right now. But at this point it's been so long, but I'm like, no, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait and I'm going to buy the book and I'm going to read it. So I am genuinely very excited about Yay. your book. Um, it doesn't really feel real yet <laughs> at all. At some point I'm supposed to see my cover for the book, uh, shortly. Um, my editor said before the holidays and I'm still waiting for the point. It's, it feels real. Like I was like, okay, so when I, is it Mm -hmm. when I see my cover? Is it when I, you know, what, what point does it feel like it's going to be an actual book? I have no idea thus far. Not yet. It still hasn't, still haven't gotten there. (laughs) Um, all the books that, not all of them, the vast majority of the books I'm looking forward to in 2016 are either like sequels to a book that I've read this year or kind of a trilogy ender or a companion. Um, so I mentioned previously books that I enjoyed this year were Pierce Brown's Mars books. So Red, Red Rising, Golden Sun, and the last book, Morning Star comes out in February. So looking forward to that. Um, there is another series. This is a YA fantasy series. And if I have not recommended them to you before, Kelly, I am doing it now. Okay. It's called The Winner's Curse series by Marie Rukowski. The first book is The Winner's Curse. The second book, which came out this year, is The Winner's Kiss. And the third book, or no, is no, the second book is The Winner's Crime, excuse me. The third book, which is called The Winner's Kiss, is coming out in March of 2016. So 
I really, really enjoyed those. Um, they just really, really well-developed fantasy kind of sort of set in the kind of like a Roman empire esque society. Um, and really, 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 really well done. And I really, really enjoyed those. So that comes out next year. Um, full disclosure, Renee Atia is a friend of mine. Um, she's the author of the wrath and the dawn, which came out this year. That was the retelling of, um, a hundred, a thousand and one Arabian nights. The sequel to the wrath and the dawn comes out in May of 2016. And I'm super looking forward to that as well. Um, so those, those are kind of my, my top picks for 2016. Most of them kind of series. They're just you know, looking through and see if there's any debuts or standalones that are, oh, I have, I have a standalone that's coming out next year that I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, it's called The Star-Touched Queen by Roshani Chokshi. Uh, it is was described to me as kind of a Hades and Persephone myth retold via Indian mythology. Huh. So yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds really really great to me. Um, and some pub crawl members as well have uh, their debut books coming out in 2016 as well. Julie Eshbaz. Uh, Ivory and Bone, which was billed as kind of a YA clan of the cave bear. <laughs> Talk about guilty reads that I really, really loved as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, clan of the cave bear, mm, number one. Um, so I'm really, really excited to that. And it's, and it's an, a period of quote history that we never really see. And we don't often see in fiction, which is prehistory. This, you know, takes place during the time of kind of Cro-Magnons and, and sort of before civilization. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. Um, Stephanie Garber, her book Caraval also, which was kind of billed as a, a YA night circus. Also super looking forward to that. Um, and, uh, oh, and Sarah Reese Brennan has another book coming out in 2016. It is a retelling of a tale of two cities. Ooh. With magic. Ooh. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, uh, it's a, that's a, that's actually a book I really love as well. A tale of two cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't read that for school, and I didn't really read that until I was kind of old, I guess, to have have picked it up. You know, most people read a tale of two cities in school. But I didn't read A Tale of Two Cities until I was kind of in my late 20s. And I was like, this book is wonderful. And then Sarah Reese Brennan had announced that she had written a retelling of it. And I was like, gimme, gimme, gimme now, gimme now. I love everything Sarah Reese Brennan ever writes. Gimme to me now. <laughs> um, so those are, those are my top picks for next year. Do you have, do you have anything else? Um, the Hamilton book by Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yes, yes. Obviously. Oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> is way up there. Um, the other book I'm really excited about is actually a 2017 release, um, by Katie McGee called the thousandth floor. Um, and Katie was my intern 
back in the day. Um, and she's a wonderful person and this is her debut. Um, it's coming out with Harper Teen in 2017 and I don't know much about it. Um, but I know that it's a YA, um, kind of a dystopian future sort of a, sort of a thing. And it's already been picked up by ABC. They're considering developing it into a television series. So that's very exciting too. So I'm just really excited for her and looking forward to it. I love it when, um, you know, when my friends are writing books and they're, you know, (laughs) achieving their dreams and it's so exciting to see and to witness, um, all that, you know, you were my roommate and now your book is coming out and she was my intern and now her book is coming out and maybe someday I'll have a book coming out, but until then, (laughs) just really so excited, um, and proud of and happy for all of my friends who have uh, books coming out soon. So hers will probably be excellent. I have not read it, um, and won't until it is released, but she is a brilliant, funny, wonderful person. Uh, so I have no doubt that the book will be excellent. Oh, I just discovered this. This is another 2016 book. It's the next Marissa Meyer novel. (gasps) Oh, It is a retelling of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, well, that was just made for you, wasn't it? It's called Heartless, you guys. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That sounds amazing. I'm trying to think. There's going to be other series that will have books come out next year. I think, so I've been reading the Tierling series, Invasion Mm. of Tierling, Queen of Tierling, and I think... There's the next a, one, her yeah. next one will come out uh, next year, which I'm really excited about. I think uh, I think it should come out this next year. Yeah, it comes um, out. I think I have the date somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what is that called? Something. I mean, they're all of the. They're all the uh, something tearling. Yeah, something yeah. tearling. Uh, but it's the fate of the tearling. That's that's mm. what it was. And the fate of the tearling. I think that will come out June, June of next year. Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm sure there's others, you know, I, I don't know that she's slated to have a book come out, but I really want the next Kristen Kishore. Book. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And whenever that is that I want it, I want it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if it were, I doubt it's coming out in 2016 cause I haven't heard anything yeah, about it, I but, heard it either. Um, but if it were to magically release, then that would make me a very happy woman. I think Lainey Taylor has a book coming out next year. She is the author of, um, the Daughter of Smoke and Bone books. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not have a, a pub month. It just says 2016 on Goodreads. It's called The Muse of Nightmares. Um, and so when that comes out, I, th- I think I'm probably going to read it. I, I really loved her Daughter of Smoke and Bone books. I think she's, they just, I think that was another one I binged. They all came out at, at the same time not at the same time, but the last book had come out mm-hmm. and I just blew through them in literally a day and a half. Like <laughs> I read two of them in one day and then the next book, like following like afternoon or something like that. Uh, I really loved those. Um, yeah, that one is scheduled for next year, but it, it doesn't say what date. 
I guess before we go, do we have any off-menu recommendations that we want to talk about that aren't books? Since we did spend the whole podcast talking, talking about books about that we've been books. reading. Yeah. Um. What have I been doing lately? I don't know. I'm I'm beginning my Christmas rewatches, which I think we touched on briefly last mm-hmm. time. Um. So Christmas movies are going on over here. I don't know that there's really been anything else. I, I'm the Macy's Day Parade, which is over, and so you can't watch it anymore. But that was my big, <laughs> that was my big thing. I love the parade fiercely, uh, so I was really excited about that. But no, I don't really think there's yeah. been anything. Um, my most recent recommendation and or obsession is another musical. So this is the third musical I have recommended on this podcast, you guys. Um, this is Deaf West's production of Spring Awakening on Broadway. I, Deaf West, I guess it's a theater company out in Los Angeles, um, and they do productions of various plays for, with, uh, deaf and hearing actors. It's bilingual, so it's done in American Sign Language as well as being spoken in English. And they did a production of Spring Awakening. Um, that was extremely well received. And so now it's been revived on Broadway. Unfortunately, it's a limited engagement. It's only (laughs) like, I think it's literally limiting only for four months. (sighs) It's not soon enough for me to get up there and and watch it. I'm so mad, but, um, I've been relentlessly searching clips of this show on, uh, on YouTube and like broadway.com. Um, I think the cast did a performance, on like Seth Meyers, they did a performance of touch me and it just blew my mind how amazing this was. Um, it is a musical spring awakening is a musical. The original, I think was on Broadway in 2007. I think it was, I think it was 2007. Um, but two of the three main characters in spring awakening are deaf and they are they are deaf characters it's not like a deaf actor is playing the character they are the characters have been changed to be deaf in this musical um and they were explaining a little bit as to why the original play takes place around 1891 um and during the 1880s apparently there was this big thing in in sort of education circles where they did not want deaf people to communicate via sign language. They wanted them to communicate in English. Uh So kind of having the conflict between like deaf characters and hearing characters and the sort of that conflict going on in addition to everything else that goes on in this play, which is really about miscommunication between generations. Um, it just looks amazing. Um, I also really loved the original production of spring awakening, which is really, really beautiful, but just, I think the, this dimension added to it of having deaf actors play these roles, just, it just moved me in a way that I think even more than the original production did. And I really love it too, because the, the deaf actors have a voice that sings and that sings the role for them and, and speaks the lines while they're signing. And 
the, these voices are developed kind of as characters of their own. So there's an actor playing, for example, there's an actor playing Moritz, and then there's an actor playing the voice of Moritz, and they have a specific relationship with each other in the play that isn't wasn't in the original Broadway production. Um, and the sort of the deaf characters' relationships with their voices says a lot about the characters themselves. Like those who are really close to their voice are much more innocent and happy and in touch with themselves. And those who are slightly more antagonistic with their voice, you know, is kind of a little bit more unhappy with who they are and a bit conflicted. So I am utterly obsessed and I'm really sad it's closing. I think it closes at the end of January and I'm like, please, I want you to tour or something. I really want to see this production. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my third musical, uh, recommendation for this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that's it. I think that's, that's it for, for this year. Yeah. Gosh, you guys, this is, this is the end of the year already. Oh my goodness. Where does, where does time go? I don't know. It's terrifying when I think about it. Well, um, Kelly and I have kind of brainstormed a, a couple of different topics for the following year, 2016. We've, we have more episodes about different aspects of publishing planned. We have, um, some more reader focused, uh, episodes kind of similar to what we did today. Um, also possibly some interviews with authors are coming up in, in, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys have any questions as well, um, you're more than, you know, f- please, 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 you know, feel free to ask them and we'll, you know, hopefully answer them in a future podcast. I know some of you have already asked about revisions, uh, which we will definitely tackle, mm-hmm. um, especially in the post NaNoWriMo months, revi- revision is, is pretty important. Um, but yes. All of you who have finished NaNoWriMo, first of all, congratulations. Uh, yay. <laughs> um, yay. And also, now that you're done, put it aside. <laughs> put it aside. Don't query it. Don't think about it. Just sort of let it age like fine wine. Um, and then take a crack at mm-hmm. it in the new year. Um, we, we will talk about revision. Um, then. So hopefully you can listen to our podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got a lot more coming up. Um, We're going to do another contract podcast. We've had some people um, follow up about the last contract podcast we did and wanting to know more about that. So we'll have that coming up and talk about advances and some other important things in contracts. Uh, we'll talk about more behind the scenes publishing industry stuff. And, um, we have a lot of really good things planned. So, and we do listen to your feedback. If we haven't gotten back to you directly, then hopefully we're going to be incorporating that feedback going forward in future podcasts. Um, but we do read everything that we get and really appreciate it. That's all for this week. Next time, we'll be talking about revisions. As always, if you want more, please subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Pickle, or your podcast provider of choice. Also, if you like us, please rate and review when you get a chance as it helps other listeners find the podcast. 
If you want more pub crawl goodness, you can go to our website, publishingcrawl.com, where we have many more posts and articles about various aspects of reading, writing, and the publishing industry. You can also follow us on Twitter at pubcrawlblog, as well as on Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at publishingcrawl. You can follow me, Kelly, at bookishchick on Twitter or Instagram. And you can follow me, JJ, at sjjones, that's S-J-A-E-J-O-N-E-S, on Twitter or my website at sjjones.com. Our theme music is Quirky Dog by Kevin McLeod, and our logo is designed by Aaron Bowman, author of Vengeance Road, available now wherever books are sold. If you have any further questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to email us at publishingcrawl at gmail.com or send us an ask through Tumblr. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week. Next week we'll be talking about revisions. Is it not not next week though? Is it next or year? Next time. Next year. Okay. <laughs>